Going Linux, episode 262, Computer America, number 79. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, Computer America. Before we begin our Computer America episode for this month, I want to let you all know that due to an increase in workload demands and other life changes, I've decided not to continue as the Linux correspondent on the Computer America show beginning January 2015. So this is, in fact, my second last appearance on the Computer America radio show. I've enjoyed my appearances on Computer America for two hours each month for the last seven years. Can you believe it's been seven years? I appreciate the exposure that the show has given to the growing popularity of the Linux operating system and to the growth of the Going Linux podcast over the years. Thanks, Craig. And I know we have this episode and one more in December to go, but I just wanted to say thank you. And for all of those of you in the audience who do enjoy the Computer America episodes, uh, Craig will have a new Linux correspondent beginning in January. We don't know who it is yet, but I'm sure that you will enjoy whoever is my replacement at that time. And feel free to go to ComputerAmerica.com to subscribe to their podcast or watch it live uh, as they record it once a month for the Linux episodes. So uh, thanks again, Craig. Thanks to Computer America, all the co-hosts that he's had over the years. I've enjoyed my time on the show. Here's today's Computer America episode. Enjoy. You're listening to Computer America. Hello and welcome into the Computer America show. It's the nation's longest running nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers. Computer America is heard around the world and coast to coast. And I'm your host, Craig Crossman. And I'm your host, Ben. And Ben, you're here. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Okay. Well, I said we've got a, a great, interesting uh, internet show. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you have a comment or a question about uh, uh, the topic of Linux, Linux, this is the uh, show to give us a call. Um, it's the third... Third Thursday of the month, and that means it's time for our all Linux show. Of course, Linux operating system continues to become more and more popular. It's important. It's an important operating system. So every month we devote we devote an entire Computer America show to the subject of Linux, right? So if you have a Linux question, tonight's the night for you to give us a call. And joining us is our Linux expert, Larry Bushy. Larry is the creator and host of the Going Linux podcast. Larry, welcome into Computer America. How the heck are you? I am the heck very good. <laughs> hey, Larry. Yeah, hey. Yeah. yeah, I've been sitting waiting patiently here for yeah. uh, all of the uh, discussion to yeah. subside down so yeah. we can start talking about Linux. And uh, well, I have one addition. Yes. Um, happy birthday to Ben's mom. Ah, uh, yes. Well, happy birthday to, to Ben's mother and my wife, Cynthia. So, 
Um, now, let me before we get started. Also, I want to mention a couple things that were uh, uh, something else that's important. Uh, how long have you been with the Computer America now, Larry? You've been doing this for. Uh, let's see. It's got to be seven years. Seven. Like that. Seven years. No, it's not that. Yeah, no. oh. it's at least six. I know. Maybe <laughs> been maybe, a while. Maybe longer. But uh, Larry, of course, being our Linux expert for so many years and doing a, an incredibly amazing job. Uh, but, you know, things change, and evidently uh looks like Larry is going to be passing the baton uh, to another correspondent. Aww. I know, I know. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so uh, now we're in the process of, of talking to uh, a number of people uh, who may, will be filling his uh, shoes. That's going to be really hard to do, of course, but uh, uh, so Larry is going to be passing the baton. Now. You're saying I've got big feet. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Uh, I thought I could slide that one by you. But the, 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 the thing is, um, uh, um, we're, we're talking to a, a number of people now. Larry's going to do the tonight show, and of course, on December he will do the December Linux show, and that will uh, be his uh, final uh, Computer America uh, Linux expert uh, uh, show with us as a Linux server. Of course, you'll always be welcome to come back and join us and get into Linux discussions. That, that door will always uh, remain open to you. Uh, I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I will heckle the new... Yeah. <laughs> you come uh, back and heckle the new, the new correspondent. <laughs> but of course, you you have to pay the you know the non-frequent guest prices. So, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, Your member club's card is going to be revoked. So uh, <laughs> but you always you can come in also you can always poke your nose in the um in the uh, chat room too. We'd, of course. I'd love to see you in there. So anyway, uh again, we just want to extend a, a a big hearty and heartfelt thank you to you for for being our correspondent for so long and 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 doing such a, a marvelous wonderful job. And uh and uh, we're going we'll miss you as the Linux correspondent. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, well, that said, uh, let's uh, now. What we Larry does uh, is that he picks a topic each month uh, to discuss with Linux. Now, even though um, if your question is different, as long as it's a Linux question, it doesn't have to be on topic. We will stop what we're doing and we'll go immediately to your call and uh, and we'll take it. But in the meantime. Um, uh, the topic for tonight that Larry has selected is the computer operating system doesn't matter anymore. So dot dot dot. So you should use Linux! Exclamation point. So <laughs> that is the topic. And uh, and and uh, how does it make you feel that the year that the year of the Linux came after operating systems stopped mattering? <laughs> well, hey, you know, uh the Linux desktop is uh is is I guess uh Google Chrome. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's something. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Chrome seems to be making a pretty good go at it. No, absolutely. Chrome and Android and and uh you know the the Linux desktop as a Linux uh, you know a full-fledged Linux distribution as opposed to a, a derivative of uh you know something that is is operated by uh Google or uh you know another entity um Linux as a desktop is becoming more and more popular I see more and more people using it more and more people asking questions on uh on our email and on the podcast as well. So um, 
it's definitely becoming more popular and it's just slower to catch on than DOS. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh but um uh so what we're going to do is I said we're going to start looking at at these topics and kind of discuss them and uh, uh again, if you uh, if you have a comment or a question about Linux, uh, we will certainly pause what we're doing and 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 go to your question. But so let's start. So you started off by saying, okay, uh, the computer operating system doesn't matter anymore, so you should use Linux. Uh, so ex- explain that further. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a little uh, thought provoking intentionally. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know. Today, almost anything you want to do on a computer is available to do in the cloud. And because of the fact that cloud computing has become so prevalent, it really doesn't matter what the operating system is you're using. As long as you have an Internet connection and a browser, uh, you can do almost anything that you want to do and almost anything that you needed Windows or a Mac or Linux or Unix or some other desktop operating system to do in the past. Mm-hmm. It's not 100% there yet, but some examples of some of the things that people do every day. Mm-hmm. Email. Yeah. Uh, you've got Gmail and Yahoo Mail and Outlook.com and all kinds of things from various Internet service providers out there. Some of them shadier than others, but I mean the the biggest ones are are Gmail and Yahoo Mail and Outlook.com at this point at this point. And so you can get your email, you can do it right from the browser. You don't have to have a a full-fledged email client sitting on your computer taking up space. Uh, And you can do everything in those uh, web-based email clients that you can do on a desktop, except well, I was going to say, except save the mail to your desktop, but you can even do that from the cloud if you wanted to. All right. So, so uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, now are we talking about? I mean, obviously, you're talking about the different desktops, and you can do all these things. You know, Gmail, Yahoo Mail, Outlook. Sure. Uh, all these functions are available, and that you would uh, want to do in the cloud. And and again, of course, people are using Linux to do that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's the point. I mean, it it doesn't matter whether you're using Linux, whether you're using Windows, whether you're using um, OS X, or something else, uh, Google Chrome, for example, or your Android phone. If you want to do any of these things in the cloud, um, it doesn't matter what you use as the device or even what you use as the computer operating system. Um, you just need something to get you on the internet, and Linux does that just fine. And there are no- number of reasons to to use Linux, but what I'd like to do is kind of go down the list of some of the things that you can do in the cloud, just sure. to, to fill out the, the list of uh, things that perhaps people aren't aware that these things exist out there in the internet for you to be able to do. Okay. Um, video conferencing is one of those things, uh, and certainly that's very much uh, a business function. A lot of companies use that to talk to their customers or to have video conferences uh, within their own uh, within their own company. And the it's it's become. I mean, we're using a video conference system right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google yeah. Hangouts. Yeah. Uh, and there are a few out there as well. Big Blue Button is the name of an open source um, video conferencing system. Uh, Fuse, F-U-Z-E, is another one. Any meeting, 
Uh, Skype, of course, is is a very popular one uh, for video conferencing, and uh, they make versions of they make all they have Skype for Linux. You're saying? Yes, absolutely. It's, and it's not uh, it's not it's not a it's not a Windows the version that you're trying to run in Win, in Linux. It's actually a native Linux version of Skype. That that's which, exactly right. Which, but which, that which, version and the version that you run on Windows or the version that you run on Mac are the client. What I'm saying is. The folks at Microsoft are coming out with a version of Skype that runs on the internet. You don't have to install Skype to be able to use it. Well, that's interesting because yeah. because I was I found that a little surprising because as you know Skype was purchased by Microsoft, so right. Microsoft is the Windows company, and so they yes. but they make a product uh, that supports Linux, and uh, at least they didn't they didn't stop that. So, well, in recent years, um, especially with the exit of of uh, Mr. Balmer. Mm-hmm. Um, Microsoft has turned the corner on a lot of things that uh, they used to hold dear, including bashing Linux. Mm. Uh, they've made a big deal of being much more supportive of Linux. They ha- they're a major contributor to the Linux kernel uh, and uh, have been for quite some number of years. Uh, but more recently, they have actually been um, uh, vocalizing their support for Linux uh, even in a presentation by uh, the the head of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, uh, I think it was he who had uh, a slide up that said uh, Microsoft, a heart, and Linux. Mm-hmm. Microsoft loves Linux, and um, what what they're doing there is they're making uh, contributing to the Linux kernel so that it runs more efficiently on their Azure platform. Uh, because they want to be able to virtualize uh, Linux servers out there uh, more efficiently and more effectively. So um, they're they're becoming much more friendly towards Linux, and they're they're developing more um, web-based applications as well. I think they've realized that the computer operating system and especially the software that runs on that computer operating system is becoming less and less important, which is the whole point of this uh, this discussion here. Yeah. And as a result, they're developing things like Skype for the web yeah. and uh, Office 365, uh, online-based versions of the software that they have been selling for years and years and years. Of course, they haven't really been selling Skype, yeah. but certainly they've generated a lot of profitability from from uh, Microsoft Office, <clears throat> so what, and uh, so what they're you're, selling so what, subscriptions for the online version. So well. what you're saying is that uh, right now, for me to run Skype, I have to I have a piece of software. It's a Skype software, and I run it, and then, and then it goes on. You're saying that uh, that's going to become uh, that's going to go bye bye. Basically, I'm just going to go to a Skype web like Skype's website and just launch and just like is it like a plugin? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know the details of it, but uh, what I do know is they've announced that this. Skype version of the web will replace their um, uh, conferencing software that they use right now for business, that they sell for business called Link, L-Y-N-C. So they're going to be replacing Link with a Skype for the web. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't really know whether they're taking the the code that is the Skype uh, client and rewriting it for the web or whether they're taking the Link software and just rebranding it as Skype. <clears throat> but the the key point here is they're moving Skype to the internet the way they've they've moved Word and Excel and PowerPoint to the internet with uh, with Office 365 and of course 
There are other alternatives uh, on the web for Office as well, like Google Docs and Zoho Office and uh, several others out there as well, so you're not locked into Microsoft. But these days, if you want to run Microsoft Office, a full version of Microsoft Office on Linux, you can do that. <laughs> Office 365. Well, there and you, go. you can run it from the web. Okay. So um, from your browser, yeah, exactly. So the days of uh, having to run Wine to just get uh, Microsoft Office is uh, on on Linux are are gone. So <laughs> I guess like Linux can because it, it, it like the shift to the cloud really is just an ongoing trend that's not you know it's not because Apple's doing it, not because Microsoft's doing it, not because Linux is doing it. It's just it's because it's easier. You know, the the more you can put in a browser, the less it's reliant on an operating system the more accessible it is. So this move to the cloud, I guess, it helps Linux because then you can do more things. Well, it does. And the the nice thing about it and, and the point that I'm making here is the operating system doesn't matter, so you should use Linux, is this, that um, there are all these software um components out there that you can use from the cloud. You don't need uh, to install software on your computer anymore. So why uh, spend a lot of money for a computer that runs Windows or that runs OS X, uh, even though they provide the operating system with the computer, when you don't need that brand new computer with a brand new operating system that requires you to upgrade periodically? Uh, and to pay money to upgrade in some cases. And if you do install software on there, when you do upgrade your operating system, even if the upgrade for the OS is free, you then have to go out and buy a new version of whatever that software was to be compatible with the new version of the, the operating system. And then once the operating system gets too powerful for the hardware that you're running on, now you're going to go out and buy new hardware. It's a never-ending cycle of continued expense so use Linux. The the upgrades are free. The um, If you do want to install software, for the most part, it's free. And certainly you can use the uh, Internet versions of most of the software that we're talking about here. And um, you don't need to buy new hardware in order to run Linux. Uh, you can run it on your existing hardware or even old hardware, borrowed hardware, um, a, a computer that you got at the thrift store, uh, when, you, when you buy secondhand off of Amazon. Um, and Linux will run just fine on there, and you're not required to to upgrade. You can you can hang back as long as uh, you know with other operating systems it's the same deal. You you don't want to get too old uh, yeah. a version of the operating system because you want to make sure that it's secure and that it's patched and all that sort of stuff. But with Linux, um, typically you don't have the same requirements to spend money for upgrades that you do, even if you're using all online software about the. The only one that works in a similar sort of way is is uh, Google's Chrome operating system mm. uh, because it is um, specifically designed to run all of its applications off the Internet. And as a result, if you have hardware that will run Google Chrome, uh, you, um, you're you doing just fine. Is, uh, the, is Google Chrome based, Linux-based? Um, yeah. It is. Yeah, it exactly. Is. Yeah, it's, it's based on the Linux kernel. It's yeah. not... Um, what you would consider a a mainstream Linux distribution like Red Hat or SUSE or Ubuntu or mm -hmm. something like that that is specifically 
Linux and runs Linux applications. Um, Google's Chrome operating system is more like it's analogous to Android that runs on phones. It's it's a specialized version of of Linux that's been heavily modified by Google to to run the the specific software that's a, a bit pri pri proprietary that runs on top of it. There's there's the Linux kernel, which is truly open source, mm -hmm. uh, and then on top of that there is the Chromium operating system, which is also open source, which is developed by Google. And then Google Chrome, as the proprietary layer on top of that, uh, is um, just that. It's a proprietary why? layer that's why are controlled they doing, by Google. Yeah, but why are they doing that? I mean, because they don't want people mucking around with it. They, 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 I mean, the, the two other layers you mentioned are open source, but I, they, Google mm -hmm. wants to have control over the operating system. Is that is that why they're doing it? You know, I can't get into the heads of the folks at, at Google, but uh, my suspicion is, yeah, it's it's got something to do with that. They do want to, uh, hey, they're in business, and they're in business to sell Chromebooks and advertising and the other things that they sell. And as a result, uh, you know, they the way business locks in people is to, uh, it locks people into their products or sure. services is to provide intellectual property or some sort of proprietary uh, version that can't be copied by the competition, and and uh, the Google Chrome operating system is just that. It's it's that proprietary layer on top right. of the open source space, uh, and that's kind of a uh, an ongoing model uh, for a lot of software companies out there these days. And I dare say that uh, Microsoft is doing that too. They're they're so, using some open source software so, as a base for some of the things they're doing. So there's no outcry from the Linux community, community saying, you know, oh, you can't do, you're making it for. I mean, I mean, it's being accepted. I mean, people who use Linux say, you know, if they want to use that, uh, uh, it's it's not a, it's not a major objection. Is what you're saying? Well, there can't be any objection because open source is just that. It, the whole philosophy behind open source is to allow people to do with the software what they want to do with it. Now, there are different versions of the licenses that impose different restrictions on you, but the most permissive of those licenses will let you take the software that's licensed that way under that open source uh, license and uh, you can take that software and use it as it is. You can modify it. You can sell it. You can give it away. You can uh, sell the modified version that you have. You can build proprietary uh, extensions to it, uh, depending on the license. Some of the open source licenses don't allow that. But the, the versions of the software that these companies use, are they carefully select those with licenses that allow them to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole purpose behind open source is to allow people to do with the software what they want to do with it. Yeah. And if you want to rewrite it so that it uh, works the way you want it to work, again, depending on the license, you may have to license it the same way as the original software was, or you may be able to make it completely proprietary. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so, no, there is, there is no outcry. There's no... Okay pushback it's it's the way it's supposed to be okay all right yeah well please continue all right so some other examples of things that you can do online that it doesn't matter whether you're using os 10 uh, microsoft windows or any version of linux or the chrome operating system or any other operating system sure. um, 
social media applications like Facebook and Google Plus and Twitter and Pinterest and on and on and on. You could go on forever these days. So all of that you can do on your phone, on any operating system. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, watching movies and TV. This is the way that movies and TV are, are watched days is on the Internet, Netflix, iTunes, other streaming services from other networks, um, they're all out there to be able to watch what we uh, old-timers used to say, turn on the boob tube, <laughs> uh, you know. And, um, you know, kids these days, they're not yeah, watching right. television. They're we- whippersnappers. <laughs> <laughs> on the inner tubes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, even radio. You know, you used to uh, tune in the radio dial, right? Yeah, Not no anymore. No, no. You, you, you uh, hit up Spotify or Jamendo or Stitcher or iTunes and, and again, what, on and on yeah. what's and the on. One that, what's the one we use, Gator? What is it, uh, Ben? Uh, it's uh, uh, the... Oh, uh, oh, no, we use uh, GrooveShark. GrooveShark, yeah, GrooveShark. GrooveShark, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then there's the, uh, you know, uh, the satellite radio companies out there as well, mm-hmm. which are much more akin to the old day, you know, terrestrial radio. But still, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to listen to any of that stuff, just hook up your computer, uh, mm-hmm. go to the right website, and you've got a free, uh, even open source music, if you want to look at it as open source music. Um, Gemendo, it is full of... Uh, um, music that's uh, freely shareable as opposed to the proprietary stuff that you get from iTunes and, and uh, you know, the stuff you have how to do, purchase. How do they get around all the, the, the uh, digital rights, I mean, I mean the, the copyright laws and everything? Uh, well, there are uh, musical artists that actually uh, give away their yeah. music, and okay. uh, they they license it or copyright it in a way that allows you to uh allows them to give it away and you to give it away and uh mm-hmm. to um subscribe to it just like you would a free podcast for example cool. um so there are there are artists out there that just want to get their names out there and you know these days you you hear a lot about things like Taylor Swift uh stepping away from I think it was Spotify that she was yep. uh, protesting mm-hmm. against and if you listen to the discussion um Spotify pays a lot of money to the um, um, the record label, uh-huh. uh, and how much of that actually goes to the artist? A very small portion. Right. And uh, well. you know, so these artists really aren't making their money off of uh, the album sales. Sure. They're making it off of concerts. Hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we're going to continue on. Uh, Larry Bushy is our uh, our correspondent. It's our all-Linux show here on the Computer America Show on the Boost Radio Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, the IRN Radio Network. Stay with us. Going Linux, uh, it, it's uh, it's our Linux-only show with uh, Larry Bushy from the Going Linux podcast. And uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about all the things that you can do that are pretty much at this point independent of your operating system. So, you know, it, you don't have to wonder, you know, if I go to Linux, am I going to lose the ability to listen to music? Am I going to lose the ability to taste food? Am I going to lose the ability to do <laughs> this or that? And I guess at this point, it's no. So, you know, we're just getting into music and podcasts and all the things that keep you entertained. Right. Yeah. And uh, even beyond entertaining, um, 
if you uh if you're a producer of these things um there are plenty of video editors out there uh i meant to add them to the uh show notes list and didn't add them in but uh <laughs> Some of the ones that are there, uh, OpenShot is a video editor that uh, works quite nicely in Linux. Caden uh, Live, another one. And uh, one that is a little bit proprietary, but uh, provides a much uh, smoother experience in uh, my estimation is something called Lightworks. You may recognize that if yeah. you've used it on Windows or Mac. Uh, yep. It's a very cross-platform and... From what I understand, it's exactly the same code base across all three platforms these days. And as a result, it is um, uh, a native Linux application when you run it on Linux, native Windows on Windows, and native OS X on OS X. So, uh, uh, and I've been using it for some of the instructional videos that I put together. And uh, I've been having a, a much um, smoother experience with Lightworks than I have with some of the other products mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I suspect that it's they've been at it a lot longer than some of the other <laughs> folks. So uh, uh, if you're a video editor, video producer, um, lots of uh, Linux software to help you do that. And you can even do it on the internet. There are video editors on the internet as well. Uh, and I don't recall them, and I didn't put them in the show notes, so I can't uh, cite them for you, but um, they are out there. Mm -hmm. All right. Audio editors? Uh, audio editors as well. Uh, one of our listeners had suggested an audio editor. Um, what was it? Odd <laughs> something. Uh, audio <laughs> something. Audio. Oh, audio. Audio. Audacity? No, Audacity is a client that runs on your computer and it's cross-platform. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Auphonic, that's what it was. A-U-P-H. Uh, o N I C I think is what it was, yeah. and it uh, it is a web-based uh, video editor, or excuse me, audio editor that helps you to um, um, get rid of the noise and get rid of some of the background uh, uh, things that are going on. Help you to um, do uh, audio compression and those kinds of things that you would do in a a classic editor. That particular one is a little bit limited in that it can't do all of the things that Audacity or some of the other audio editors can do, but it's getting there. Um, so audio editing, probably something that needs a little bit more uh, work for the cloud-based applications before we can say that you can go 100% uh, if you're a someone who does audio editing, as mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. uh, but many uh, podcasters will actually, uh, rather than edit the audio, they'll just use uh, Google Hangouts, take the audio out of that, and uh, use it as it comes <laughs> without any editing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little bit more of a perfectionist than that, so I like to use Audacity, and, and that's that's my tool of choice. Mm -hmm. um, there are uh, photo managers out there as well that run on the cloud, like uh, Pixlr. Um, there are a number of them that when you uh, get a Google Chrome computer, uh, it looks like they're installed on there, and it's uh, really just a link to the application out there on the Internet, or it's a Google Chrome plugin. Uh, and again, it runs from the from the cloud. Uh, so uh, even photo managers uh, are out there, and photo editors are out there for you to use on the cloud. Uh, file conversion utilities, uh, there are a few of those out there as well, and um, many of them come as uh, a lot of the software that is uh, cloud-based software comes as um, 
uh, Google Chrome extensions because Google has, uh, with the Chrome operating system and the Chrome browser, has really taken uh, this uh, whole idea of cloud computing to the next level for the average computer user. And as a result, a lot of these features that are available um, for uh, the Chrome operating system are also available if you're running the Chrome browser uh, for any uh, operating system that's capable of running the Chrome browser, which is virtually everything out there. So file conversion, uh, Cloud Convert is the one that I use, and it will convert hmm. just about any format into any other format. So you want that's your, very useful. I mean, it's very handy. Yeah, I used to have yeah, something, I, I used to have something called you Can want Opener. File in OG format, you run it through Cloud Convert. Yeah, I used, the other one around. Yeah, I used to have something called Can Opener, and uh, but they 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 went bye bye. But that, that, but when you need it, it's really nice to have something like that. Yeah, and and this Cloud Convert, uh, it's not just audio or video. It's uh, document files. If you need to convert something from uh, Word to Word Perfect or something like that, you can use that or Excel to. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 wh whatever the Mac version is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it'll do the conversion yeah, um, exactly. and it'll do it in the cloud. Uh, you you uh, select the file you want to convert, right. you say convert it, and it sends you a message when it's done, if very it's nice. going to take longer than a few seconds. Very nice. So, uh, very nice. <clears throat> So um, let's see, where were we? File archivers. Uh, file file archi archivers, uh, compression, like a zip uh, compression utility. Mm -hmm. um, those are available as well uh, for um, online use as well. Mm -hmm. And there's one that, do I have it handy here? Um, no, I don't. There was one that I was using recently that does the conversion. Uh, oh, I know. It's on my other window over here. All right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, zip unzip app is the one that's available as a um, as an application to run as a Chrome plugin. Zip unzip app. Now, but that does not Linux have just like Mac has. It's part of the operating system that allows you to you know uh, oh, yeah. com compress and decompress. Um, yep. So why would you? Yeah, need all of these things are are capable. You're capable of running uh, applications that run on Linux uh, that run on your Linux operating system for free. Mm -hmm. uh, that do all of these things. Got it. Uh, my point here is, you know, if you want to if you want to use uh, OS 10, you can use OS 10 and get all of these functions again for free um, mm -hmm. online. Um, Got it. Even you know, even running Microsoft Office on Linux, if you wanted to, uh, um, that that sort of thing. Sure. As, as we're saying, it doesn't matter what your operating system is. Got it. These days, well, so you know that you was, may as well this, run Linux. This was this was the great. The internet was supposed to be the great equalizer. When you yeah. use the internet, everything was supposed to be compatible with everything else, and it that. Trashed. It, it just didn't. It did not happen. And it's taking us this long uh, to yeah. finally begin to see these things on the horizon, uh, where it, the internet is becoming again what it was really intended to be—the great equalizer. To it didn't matter what platform you're using, it didn't matter what browser you're using, it was just going to work. 
Yeah, exactly. And and we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there fast as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my worry is that we're going to end up with these online versions of proprietary software. And <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, you know, we're still going to be using Microsoft Office for years and years. Uh, it should just be the online version of it. 365, but, uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> But at least it'll be uh, you'll be able to run it on any operating system you want to. And mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So like online uh, internet versions of uh, spyware and, and malware and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, even file storage. This is something else that you can do without ever having it go on your hard drive. Uh, all of your document files, your spreadsheet files, your music files, all of this you can store in the cloud these days. Software like Dropbox and Box.net and Google Drive and even Microsoft's OneDrive. Uh, a lot of these services started off with uh, meager amounts of file storage in the cloud. But as uh, Internet connections have grown faster and as server space has grown less expensive and as uh, cloud storage has become more practical, these companies, um, I've been hearing things like, five gigabytes for free, 100 gigabytes for free, and even recently unlimited file storage in the cloud for free. Yeah. Well, maybe not for free, but mm-hmm. but unlimited. Unlim- you know, uh, we, we, we had uh, and a certain amount for free. Yeah, uh, we had uh, you know that, that that term unlimited can be a little bit of a dirty word, uh, as we we explored with the. Uh, uh, the CEO of Rebit the other night. Because um, unlimited is a wide range of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, it's like your unlimited phone plan. Exactly, you know? yeah, you, right. You, you've got an unlimited number of minutes up to your limit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as you stay under the limit, it's unlimited. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, online storage, uh, th- that's there as well. Mm-hmm. And even corporations, corporate software, uh, the software that runs companies, Salesforce.com, Oracle, Microsoft, Sugar CRM, uh, Sweet CRM. A lot of these are software platforms that are designed for businesses to run their business, and these are the companies behind uh, those software. All of them either run exclusively in the cloud, like Salesforce.com, or there are versions that run in the cloud, like Oracle and Microsoft have versions that run in the cloud. Um, maybe not as compa- not not as capable as their as they call on-premise or installed software. Um, but more and more companies are becoming more like uh, Salesforce, which kind of pioneered the um, uh, cloud-based computing for for business, uh, and so even businesses can run their entire company uh, on the cloud these days without uh, having to uh, worry about which operating system does their employee use. Uh, makes it much more flexible. <clears throat> more of a nightmare for the uh, computer support technician at the company, especially if they have a policy for bring your own computing device to work, uh, but um, and primarily that's around security and so on, um, so that the operating system that you're using doesn't get infected. But as we get more and more uh, cloud-based for everything that we do, it will become easier and easier to uh, just uh, run whatever you want to run, whether it's for home use or for business use. 
out of the cloud and not have to worry about is this person running this business from an iPad or uh, an Android phone, for example, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, almost possible these days. Yep, exactly. So uh, all right, well, so uh, now you say call, you move on here, and and you say, hey, call me cheap or just frugal, <laughs> but you don't like spending money without a good reason, huh? Yeah, that's true. I don't. And so um, as as long as you have an Internet connection and a browser, why do you even need a specific computer? That's the so idea. Why do you have to go out and buy something very expensive? Yeah, that, that's always been the idea, you know. Right. Platform exactly. independent. Platform independent. Operating system independent. Browser independent. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, you, you can go out and buy a, a gold Internet-connected watch for, <laughs> for from a, a fruit-flavored company out there, or you can buy a, a Timex. And, uh, yeah, I yeah. think they're still making watches. Yep. Uh, but, uh, oh, you're talking about Craig now. <laughs> no. <laughs> or a Casio. Let's put it that way. Let's go with middle of the road here. Um, but even a modest computer with a good Internet connection can run cloud applications quickly because most, if not all, of the processing takes place on the Internet, not on the computer. So why do you need a computer with uh, a lot of processing power? Uh, you know, when I chose my uh, latest computer, is a, a System76 Galago uh, Ultra Pro, mm-hmm. which runs Linux natively yeah. uh, and comes with Linux installed. I chose a very, very high specs on RAM and uh, on uh, um, processor. I got an i7 processor and 16 gigabytes of RAM, mm-hmm. not because I need it for checking email, but because I need it for processing video and because I need it for processing audio. So uh, there are still some things today that require uh, a pretty powerful computer. But unless you're doing those kinds of things, you really don't need a powerful computer. You could do just about everything you needed to from from a tablet or maybe even from your phone if the screen wasn't so small, unless you've got you know, one of those phones that looks like a, slab of glass that you're holding up to the side of your ear to talk on. Um, Yeah, even phones are getting bigger. Um, But here are some inexpensive options for people who uh, may be as frugal or or maybe on a budget uh, and still be able to do what you need to do for checking email, doing your social media, and communicating uh, video conference with, uh, with your family across the country or in another country. You could use a tablet. Uh, There's a large selection of these that run the Android distribution of Linux, uh, essentially a Linux tablet, if you will. And Android, consider it a distribution of Linux. You can use a phone to do all of this stuff. And there's a large selection of these that run the Android distribution of Linux. And there are several others that are being developed to run distributions like uh, the Ubuntu phone and the Firefox phone, all based on Linux. You can use a Chromebook. Um, And uh, these run the proprietary Chrome operating system, which is also based on, as we said earlier, the Chromium distribution of Linux. Uh, You can use a computer that came with an obsolete operating system like Windows XP or Windows OS 10 Snow Leopard and install a distribution of Linux on that. 
Uh, you can install the Chrome, uh, Chromium distribution of Linux and have your own Chromebook if you want. You can install a distribution like Linux Mint or Ubuntu Mate or Lubuntu and have a fully functional computer with a completely modern operating system just running on some hardware that, in computer terms, may be ancient. Oh, it's five years old. Oh, my goodness, it's ancient. <laughs> you know, it's obsolete if you're running the original operating system. But install Linux on there, and you'll get years and years of life, and it will perform uh, Internet-based computing just as well as, as an i7 computer with uh, 16 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, so, you know, occasionally I just... Uh, <laughs> I just want it is a good reason, good enough reason for me to to go out and blow your budget on on you know a brand new computer, uh, and if you really want to do that, uh, and you want to run Linux, you can purchase a purchase built Linux computer like the one that I have from System76 or one from Zareason or one from many many other computer uh, manufacturers out there that uh, provide. Computers with Linux pre-installed, so you really don't need to buy a proprietary a computer with proprietary operating system on it for today's computing, especially if most of what you're doing is on the internet. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line message here is, with today's cloud ser services providing almost everything an average computer user would want to do. You really don't need anything more powerful than a PC from 2005 running a lightweight Linux distribution to do everyday computing. And yeah. uh, I have a computer older than that running a lightweight Linux distribution that I use every day. And uh, you find that it does uh, most of the work, unless you're doing that heavy video processing. Uh, right, and I'm not using it for that. If I want to check uh, email or something, I'll, uh, you know, uh, and if I'm near that computer, I'll use it. Or if I'm near my Chromebook, I'll use that. But oh. if I if I want to do video processing, I'm using uh, my System 76 or with, uh, 16, gig, 16 gigs of RAM. Yeah, or if you want to play World of Warcraft or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not for me. Uh, that's, that's not my game. Um, but you know, I have heard people using computers or, or like older computers, throwing Linux on it and using it for things that, you know, traditionally you really didn't have a dedicated computer for, like. Lots of people take their old computers, put a lightweight version of Linux on it, you know, that's yep. six, seven, eight years old, sure. and then just use it for like a a, uh, a music computer, like out in whatever, you know, buy, buy some speakers and put it out in the living room, family room, and right. streaming like music it. server or yeah, to play music, you just treat it like a jukebox, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, plenty of people do that kind of thing, and uh, in fact, that little. Uh, uh, pre-2005 computer I have uh, sitting and uh, it's it's in my living room and it's a clock. Mm. It displays the time and several time zones uh, on a regular basis and it's a uh, music server as well. And that's what it's sitting there doing. It's, it's going out on the internet collecting music and collecting uh, podcasts from subscriptions that I have. And uh, I serve it out to my computers or my phone or wherever I want to listen to it, including uh, the the nice um, high fidelity speakers in the living room. Do you, so, uh, do you ever look at that computer and, and kind of scratch your head and wonder, you know, I used to use this as my main computer? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. How did absolutely. I do that? How did I do uh, that? <laughs> and, I, and I have an older one that the screen died on, uh. um, and I have it as a file server. So. 
Yeah, it's it's running a lightweight Linux distribution. So, and I remote into it, so I don't need the screen. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, I think it's a 2001 or maybe even a 2000 computer that I have an old version of Linux on it. And, uh, you know, these things, they never die. <laughs> and with Linux, you don't have to let them die. You don't have to give them away. You don't have to throw them in the landfill and contribute to, uh, you know, the, the what, what electronic about that? waste that's out there. What about waterfalling? What happened to that? <laughs> you know? Waterfalling. You can't yeah. give. You can't. Well, you can't give without it. With, without a screen, you can't hand it down. To <laughs> Here, take my computer. It doesn't have a screen. That's okay. You'll. I didn't plug I, it into a monitor. Right. It'll work fine. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I I had to walk to school both ways, and I was like, you know, who needs a screen? <laughs> yeah. I computed for years without right. anything that's, but a terminal right. and yeah. a keyboard. <laughs> That's right. You know, so it's good enough for me. It's good enough for you. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. It's character building. <laughs> Four people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, it's fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll use my phone. It's faster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll use my phone. It is probably. <laughs> These days. Yeah, your phone are. is faster than that. What that ever was. But, yeah. And uh, the, the Star Fortress in the chat says he has a computer from 1999 runs Windows 98 SE and has wireless uh, network card in it uh, and another used for old games. So Fortress has more you know, computer, old computers than anybody I think that I ever know. He's got, he's got a t- so many old computers lying around and he uses them all. Yeah, and with Windows 98 on it, I don't think they're writing viruses for that anymore, so it's yeah, fine to put it on the internet. You're probably saying, right? <laughs> you're hearing a virus, and the virus would be like, we can't do anything. There's not enough resources. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. here to steal, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> well, so there it is. So now we know why uh, you said that the, 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 the computer operating system really doesn't matter anymore. Uh, anymore. It doesn't matter. And so you're saying, so you might as well just use Linux. And Yeah, you might as well. Uh, you know, you can install it on what you have today and uh, bring it up to speed. And uh, even if it's a brand new modern computer, you can put a brand new modern Linux distribution on there and make it run better. Yeah, exactly. I, I know a lot of people have, take some of their older Macs and they just, and yeah. you can't get, the, uh, they run Linux on them natively. Because you can run na- Windows natively on on a Macintosh. You don't have to, yeah. you know, I mean, you run things like parallels and stuff like that if you want to, which will allow you to do uh, the, the the latest operating system and, and either Windows or Linux, it'll do you that. But but uh, a lot of people take the older Macs and just, you know, don't run OS. The, well, first of all, you know, you can't get OS 9 or OS 8 or 7.5. Mm-hmm. They just they don't work anymore. Nothing really works them anymore. So put Linux on it. And uh, and quite frankly, some of those older Macs with Linux are, are quite fast. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the older version of OS X is just not supported anymore, and you can't install a new version of OS X. So no. rather than get rid of that nice, beautiful hardware, mm-hmm. run Linux. Or give it to one of your kids. <laughs> Put Linux on it first. <laughs> Put Linux on it first, exactly. Yeah, there uh, you go. You know. That's uh, all you need. Well, we're at the uh, bottom of the hour. You're listening to the Computer America Show on the Boost Radio Network, on the IRN Radio Network, and on the Blog Talk Radio Network, and on stations around the country. You're listening to the Computer America Show. Larry Bushy continues on with us. When we come back, we're going to be doing emails from listeners like you from around the world. Some of them are very, very interesting. They're all very interesting. We're going to be right back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. This is Computer America. 
You're listening to Computer America. Computers run the world, and we run computers. Call us or send us an email to live at ComputerAmerica.com. Hello and welcome into Hour 2 of the nation's longest-running, nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers. This is the Computer America Show, and I'm your host, Craig Crossman. And I'm your co-host, Ben. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, Larry Bushy continues on with us from the Going Linux podcast. Uh, Larry is going to have two, this show and one more show in December as he finally passes the baton of being our Linux correspondent to someone brand new. We will be announcing who that person will be uh, in the weeks ahead uh, to continue on the Linux message. But uh, he may be gone, but never forgotten. <laughs> and I may be back. And you may, and you may be back. You know that's true. Yeah. Always welcome. Yeah, Always I, welcome. I can call in. I can uh, you, you go can on call. the chat. You can do whatever you want. Absolutely. You know. And and we'll give you ban me from the chat. And, and no, case. no. Well, you yeah. will always <laughs> take calls. We'll, you can't give us real. Work. We will always give you correspondent <laughs> privileges here on a computer. Uh, you'll always have correspondent. No, you'll always have correspondent privileges. Um, so so now of course. Uh, uh, of course, our caller, we've had a number of callers that's saying, oh, we're going to call on the Linux show. And, of course, none of them called so far. Nobody so, calls. So, you know, nobody calls. When, how many, we got calls all during the week from people, you know, oh, what, I have a Linux question. Well, you know, this is no Linux show. You know, so now it's our Linux show. We're waiting for you. And, again, the number to call is 347-884-8881. We'll get you on and get you through. So we're going to shift gears and go into our email portion of the show. And uh, I guess we're going to lead off with a, a real Lollapalooza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a very, very long email from a gentleman named Frank. And for some reason, you decided not to pare it down, uh, but to kind of leave it pretty much as is because he makes some interesting points that you'd want to, to read and, and comment about. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I could have uh, divided this up into five uh, different emails and uh, made up some names, and you'd never have known the difference. But yeah. uh, no, these I, I broke it into five sections, and uh, I did edit some of it out. Believe it or not, wow. and it's still a very long email. So perhaps we should get into it a little yes. bit. Shall Let's we? do it. Let's do it. Okay. So he starts off. Hello, Larry. Uh, your helpful, valuable, and very enjoyable show make me very happy. And you got three exclamation points. Thanks, Frank. Point. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just what he started with. Okay. And then he relates what on the Going Linux podcast we would call a gone Linux story. So let's get into his gone Linux story, okay. if we will. So he writes uh, I've been using Linux since March of 2014. So it's not all that long ago. Right. It was my third attempt to switch to Linux. My first try was about 20 years ago with OpenSUSE, riser format, YAST, and so on. It was installed on my very first PC running a Linux party, or during a Linux party, at my student hostel by some kind and enthusiastic computer geeks. This and the second attempt failed to missing drivers. Uh, problems uh, while uh, orienting in, uh, in, I have to say, English is not Frank's first language. So uh, <laughs> okay. staring here necessarily in the right um, order. order grammatically. So bear with me a, a bit here as I'm reading. Uh, problems while orienting in and managing of the system 
using the command line. This seemed too difficult and too strange for me these days, and some frustration about missing or poor success using the software these days. I also got the impression that the programs had a poor look and feel, seemed to have only a few functions, and seemed hard to handle for me. Uh, so this was quite some time ago, apparently. Mm -hmm. For example, GIMP had these awful menus where the sub where the sub aspects were staggered diagonally and a little bit lower than the main aspect, which leads to loosening the focus many times. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> and it had Losing all the these little windows flying around everywhere. Open Office Writer had serious problems to managing the format of Microsoft Word. <clears throat> yeah, I remember those days. Uh, and GIMP was a mess back then. So uh, I stood with uh, st stood steadfast with Windows until Windows XP. I didn't have big problems with it. I loved to use Visual Basic in the beginning, mostly self-educated, and could create many helpful macros in Microsoft Office, especially Access. Uh, it's a great software for unprofessional quote, programmers. Microsoft did and does a good job, but provide but provide a lot of limitations and security slash privacy problems too. I think many issues people struggling with Linux uh, while testing it the first time are caused by the harsh driver discrimination of hardware companies neglecting or ne neglect or service providers. I couldn't run the update software for my GPS device, even with Wine, for example. And, and we're not talking about the kind you drink, by the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even with a bottle of wine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and complications with uh, innocent or, um, I, I think he means uh, novice, Windows users. Yeah. Uh, for example, failing to open DocX with LibreOffice and so on. But that's not the fault of Linux. Uh, but I have the feeling that these problems have become less and less. Mm. These days, I this year I started use uh, start again, Larry, and read the words that are on the page. Okay, <laughs> this year I started the third try with Ubuntu. I was impressed by the easy installation and the fine look and feel, but didn't like the Unity menu. I want an overview of my available programs, and often it didn't work out for me how I should work. Uh, allegedly. Hmm, I'm not sure what he means there. Uh, it, I guess he means it was difficult to figure out how right. to find applications in the Ubuntu menu. Mm -hmm. uh, being able, well, he says, being able to find menu aspects of other programs by just typing the name of the function, for example. Uh, after struggling with uh, unpleasant workaround, I tried to use Kubuntu, but was frustrated because installation repeatedly didn't work out. The system seemed to freeze sometimes, and after losing the main menu of the desktop, by designing my own style, by default, all aspects of KDE are not fixed and locked. Mm -hmm. I gave up. I was very sad, but I really like the look and feel of KDE and love to adjust everything I want. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, just pausing for a second to comment, one of the one of the big advantages of KDE is you can change anything that you want, literally anything that you want in KDE. And one of the disadvantages of KDE is you can change anything that you want, and as a result, you can really <laughs> screw it up. Yeah.
And it sounds like Frank did that. So continuing on, he says, later on, I was irritated uh, finding out that uh, there is this spy uh, aspect where Ubuntu sends hidden information about my behavior, my online behavior to Canonical, uh, which uh, they provide to Amazon in order to uh, sell me things. Ah. And he provides a link, and we've included the link in the show notes, to a Richard Stallman commenting on Ubuntu's uh, um, um, suspected spying behavior mm. on mm-hmm. Linux users. Um, take it with a grain of salt. It is um, uh, Richard Stallman, after all. Uh, this is the opposite of my understanding of Linux as a trustful and private system. Canonical should mention this before installation, and they should mention it explicitly. Um, well, I think they do mention it uh, uh, maybe not as explicitly as they should. I, I would agree with that. Um, but you can turn it off, by the way. Uh, but when I discovered a Linux Mint 16 Mate, I fell in love with it from the very first moment. Everything worked out fine, Aww. fast, and smoothly. <laughs> of course, until I destroyed the system by playing around with features and deleting and deinstalling <laughs> important parts of the system. The more you use it, the more you play with it, the more mistakes you make, the more you learn by fixing them. But even that took um even that just took a uh, uh, half an hour to reinstall everything mm. <laughs> the tinkerer's um uh salvation reinstall uh, finally now with linux mint 17 kiana i successfully switched to the kde desktop stop tinkering <laughs> now i can do almost anything with linux or free software i was able to do with windows and even more. For the few things that I can't do with Linux, I still have very old no-name scanner. I use a virtual Windows XP under VMware. I still prefer a GUI mouse management system, but uh, don't fear or hesitate to use the command line if handy or necessary. So that's Frank's story of how he got successfully with Linux over the years, uh, and he's been using it since, what did he say, March of this year? Yeah, exactly. With, a long uh, time. Mid-17. <laughs> okay. So he's he's done the thing that uh, many of us have done, started um, and, and tinkered himself into something that just works. And uh, I have to agree, uh, Frank, Linux Mint 17 is a wonderful version of Linux, and I recommend it highly to anyone just starting to use Linux. So uh, he's got basically one paragraph now on learning Python, and Python is a programming language. So he's he's gone from tinkering with Linux to tinkering with programs now. So mm-hmm. he said, I want to learn Python or OpenOffice Basic in order to write macros for LibreOffice, but this still seems to be very challenging for me. The macro recorder isn't much help. OpenOffice Basic seems to be uh, much more complicated and less handy. Uh, until today, I find it hard to use LibreOffice Base, uh, which is the uh, database um, yeah. uh, component of the LibreOffice suite. Mm-hmm. I can't do much more than create tables. I don't want to use the wizard where most of the descriptions I found ends, but I do and I understand it myself. Uh, there seems to be no good alternative to open or LibreOffice in the Linux world. It is so hard to find advanced information about LibreOffice Base 
Do you have any recommendation? I would prefer real books rather than digital formats. Well, yeah. So there are plenty of books out there on how to use uh, LibreOffice. Unfortunately, most of them are digital format. Yeah, you would think so. You have a printer. Uh, you always print them you out if you want to turn the pages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think the issue with digital formats is if you've only got one screen, it's hard to do things on that same screen as you're trying to read on. That's, so, you, you know, unless you've got multiple computers or hmm. uh, a tablet or something that you can display the book on, it becomes a little more difficult. So I can understand that. Hmm. So um, yeah, you can you can uh, you can go online, and many of those digital versions of the books they will offer to sell and sell you and mail you a copy, uh, or uh, you have, but go on Amazon. There are books written on how to use LibreOffice there, and if you want to learn through video, uh, we'll have a, a link in the show notes as well to um, a uh, a person that we've mentioned in the past who provides. Uh, videos on how to use uh, LibreOffice, all of the components, the, the word processor and the spreadsheet and the uh, database. Uh, and he's got a series of them, and you can uh, learn to use uh, LibreOffice through videos if you prefer that as well. All right, very cool. Okay, very cool. lots of lots of possibilities there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay, software recommendations. He's got some software recommendations for us. After uh, cutting up the old version of GIMP, He says, I love the current GIMP version. There are so many helpful mini desktop utilities for KDE as well. Some software that I want to recommend. AutoKey. This allows you to type phrases automatically and can be programmed with Python to do almost anything. And uh, we've talked about AutoKey. I use it all the time. Uh, It is like the um, – for – um, text expander. Yeah, for, I was going to say I use text expander for Mac. For Mac. I, yeah, well, I used to it's I used the Linux to use, version of that. I used to use from Rainmaker Software. It was a, a spell catcher, and that was wonderful. But unfortunately, the author of that passed away, and there was no there's been no uh, uh, support for it since uh, several versions of the operating system uh, before. So I finally said goodbye to spell catcher and uh, and started using text expander. And for the most part, text expander does you know everything that you'd I'd really wanted to. I mean, there were there were a couple of little things that that that, that Spellcatcher had, like for example, uh, it had ghost had ghosting or ghostwriter. So if you made a mistake or if you if you erase something, it kind of remembers every keystroke that you made and put it in a little file, which was kind of nice. But you know, uh, there that's a things. keylogger. Built-in yeah. keylogger. I was thinking yeah. exactly yeah. the same it's thing. It's a there. built-in keylogger, but you know, <laughs> but you know, it's logging it and you know where it is. But uh, but uh, but yeah. I but I do I really do like Text Expander. They keep uh, Craig, updating. Craig, this is that spyware that was put on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I paid a lot for it. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. No, I, I do like Text Expander, and and I highly recommend it. Yeah. To it. yeah exactly. And I like AutoKey as well. It's it's uh you know the, the it has a lot of the similar features to Text Expander and mm-hmm. is uh, a native uh, Linux program and uh, does just fine. And I use it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, FreeMind, this is um, a mind mapping program that Frank is recommending. Uh can also be used under Windows 2. And if I remember, there's maybe it's not FreeMind, but there's another uh, open source version of something similar for uh, for use on uh, OS 10 as well. And there are similar sorts of uh, mind mapping programs that are available as uh, Chrome extensions too, so you might want to look there if you really want to do things on the cloud. You mm-hmm. don't need to even install things. So, getting back to uh, Frank's uh, recommendations, 
the Lancelot menu. This is something I don't know anything about, um, wow. uh, but it is a, a menu that you can add to Linux, um, apparently. And as a result, um, uh, just uh, as you can with uh, all Linux distributions, you have full control of just about everything you want to do there, including using a different menu if you really want to. Well, I'll tell you this. The Lancelot menu is an application launcher uh, or uh, for KDA Workspace, designed to provide a place from which all your jobs begin. It you know, provides a quick access to applications, places, documents, contacts, and system information. Uh, so that's what it does. Uh, yep. Yeah. So it's a substitute for the... Uh, K menu that comes with KDE. Mm -hmm. I think it's still called K menu. It was when I used KDE. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just uh, uninstall or just uh, hide the existing menu and replace it with this one, and away you go. Or you can use a dock if you want. Mm -hmm. But hey, Frank's recommending Lancelot menu. Give it a try. Yeah. Uh, another um, program, the last one that he's recommending is something called Bluefish. It allows rapid programming too by typing a few abbreviations. And Bluefish is a um, web page authoring uh, software. Yeah. So if you are the kind of person who likes to design your own web pages, Bluefish is uh, is a great program for doing that. Um, I don't use it for the Going Linux website, but I do use it if I just want to do something uh, quick and easy in HTML. It's, it's a great program for that. And uh, if I just need a simple web page for someone else, uh, or I just need to give somebody a snippet of HTML, I'll fire up Bluefish and use that. Uh, there's a version of it for uh, for Windows as well. So um, okay. that's that's a great program too. All right. So continuing on with Frank's email, we're not done with Frank's email yet. We've still got uh, quite a bit to go here. So <laughs> section four about the show. I have an older laptop on which I could not install Linux Mint. It has also a non-PAE processor architecture. The DistroWatch site was very helpful uh, in helping me to find Linux anti-X Linux. Uh, and this is uh, unlike anti-May or something like that. This is anti-X. Mm -hmm. So against X, I guess. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I could install it without any problem. It's a very lightweight Linux distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, even my wireless uh, card, my, my wireless internet connection was uh, suddenly able to do the WPA2 encryption service. Uh, for a number of years, I was told that this was a hardware issue and that I would have to buy a new hardware, buy new hardware to fix that. Haha! Mm -hmm. Little do they know, Linux mm -hmm. to the rescue. Uh, the only disappointment was that I didn't have a KDE desktop. First, I was looking for another distribution with KDE. Later, I heard on your show that it is possible to use any desktop with every distribution. So finally, I enjoy KDE on my anti-X Debian system. Uh, while looking for a good Linux podcast, I checked out a lot, but only your podcast seems to be valuable for me. Well, thanks, Frank. I'm sure there are some out there that are equally valuable, but uh, I'm really pleased that you like ours. Uh, he says, you're very much to the point, so I can use all of your shows as a source of support anytime, even the old ones. Very informative, especially for new users. Very high sound quality and very pleasant to listen to your fine English. <laughs> Especially as a non-native speaker who could hardly understand American dialects, idioms, and slang. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd never know that the way I'm stumbling over your email here, Frank. But mm -hmm. uh, thanks again. Um, 
It is uh, very good to understand uh, for people who has, has just little or slightly advanced technological knowledge. You use... Uh, you use to explain technical. You use certain. You use plain English to explain technical terms and functions very vividly and carefully. It is full of enthusiasm, nice sense of humor, and respectful attitude to your former co-host Tom. What a pity is he is no longer on the show. Guests and even critical listeners. Mm-hmm. So um, I've started to listen to all of your shows beginning from the very first show. I started to listen to all your former shows. It is a great, somebody's really yeah. persistent about trying to get a hold of me here. <laughs> ringing like crazy. I've started to listen to all your shows beginning from the very first show. I have started to listen to all your former shows. It is great to learn about Linux while driving to work. At the moment, I'm listening to show number 60. Well, Frank, um, this episode that is the Computer America episode will be um, show 262, so you've got a little ways to go yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he continues on. Uh, from my experience, it is very helpful to have someone who introduces you to a new operating system and software. I don't have anyone nearby who is... Uh, much experienced in Linux, so having your shows gives me the feeling of having a good friend nearby who kindly accomplishes, uh, who kindly accompanies me stepping deeper into the Linux world. My plan, my devious plan is working. <laughs> I was going to say, aww. <laughs> uh, I have some questions about Linux, which I may send to you later on. Maybe they have already been answered during one of the shows I didn't enjoy yet. Well, you've got 200 and some odd to go, so yeah. uh, it's possible. Okay, and then the fifth section is where he says thanks. So here we go. And we can get this in during the first half hour yeah, or second wow. hour. <laughs> Uh, so this email has become very long, you think? Yeah. Uh, feel free to mention interesting parts in one of your listener feedback shows. I hope my written English is good to understand. Mm-hmm. If not, just give me a short reply and I will try to explain what I had intended to say. For now, thank you so much for your enthusiastic, persistent, and highly quality show, even after so many shows. I am very grateful for your precious service. Best regards, Frank. Yeah. And Frank, thank you for all the compliments, but more importantly, for all of your enlightenment as to your journey and in learning to use Linux and how we've been able to help you do that and and all your experiences in trying to get uh, some knowledge about how to use Linux and open source software. It's it's definitely uh, interesting, and I know our listeners enjoy this a lot. Okay, so there you go. Um, uh, uh, we're, uh, that was a long email. That's probably one. Of, that was probably the of all the years you've been on the show. I think that's the longest email that you've ever that's done. That's got the record. That, Absolutely. That's the record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like he, I think it was so long because I mean he's crammed a lot of Linux experience into such a short amount of time. I mean you know not even a year's gone by, and he's you know tried. So many different. He's already gotten into programming. He's done this and that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he said he he has been using Linux as his main operating system since the beginning of the year. I think a lot of this history had gone on prior to that. So, 
I don't think you crammed all of this into less than a year, <laughs> but uh, it certainly is a, a good deal of history and it makes for a good story. It really does. And uh, for some reason, our listeners enjoy listening to the uh, Gone Linux stories and Frank's is kind of uh, a classic for sure. Uh, a novel yeah. <laughs> in the making. So do we have time for uh, we, we this little yeah, teeny do, one? Yeah, from little Jack. teeny one from Jack. We can do this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we can do this one. It's only uh, like three sentences long. <laughs> and Jack commented on, on Google+, Plus, as a matter of fact, on our latest episode, which was episode 261, written, edited, and produced by my co-host, Bill. Uh, so he writes, Bill, my compliments on your work on Going Linux 261, a great first solo, and all the hums and haws edited out too. Keep up the good work, both of you. And uh, Bill did all the work himself. He did uh, an episode specifically uh, on uh, an introduction to KDE, getting to know KDE, and he reviewed several of the uh, distributions that use KDE as their native uh, um, desktop environment. And uh, in talking to Bill about the show, um, he intends to um, do a similar sort of review for other desktop environments as well to give our, our listeners an idea of uh, what is a desktop environment and how is it different from, de uh, from Linux distribution to Linux distribution? Because although it's the same desktop environment mm -hmm. that would be on Kubuntu or, or OpenSUSE, for example, the software packages that they've provided or the utilities that they've provided are very, very different on each of them. And so although it's a, a KDE distribution, they look very different and they behave very differently. Yeah. And that's one of the joys of Linux. You, you, yep. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know. <laughs> you what never doing. know. That's right. Lars <laughs> Gump there uh, reference. Uh, uh. But that that is very good. Um, I'll tell you what we're gonna we're gonna we're almost at the bottom of the hour break. Mm -hmm. So uh, welcome back to the Computer America Show. Larry Bushy uh, is uh, continuing on with us, and we're going through the emails. Uh, we did the marathon one, and then we did the sprint one, and now we're moving on to an email uh, from one of your listeners. His name is Charles, and apparently he got a new computer from uh, System Seventy Six. Yeah. Well, he was asking me about mine anyway, and uh, oh. it's. Uh, Hi, Larry and Bill. Thanks for all the great information you provide in the podcasts. I am always two or three episodes behind in listening, so this might be a bit dated. Well, if you're only two or three, you're far in advance of most of our <laughs> listeners who, uh, you know, there, there are two kinds of listeners to podcasts. Those that listen to every episode as soon as they're released. Mm -hmm. And then there are those that uh, put them on whatever their listening device is, their phone or their iPod or whatever it is. Do they still make iPods? Um, yeah, they do. Actually. And uh, they listen whenever they get the chance. And sometimes it's two or three weeks later. So, uh, yeah, two or three episodes behind, no big deal. He continues, the System76 Galago computer you mentioned in your podcast sounds very interesting. I am a fan of Linux Mint and run it on my Think Penguin Wii 4 desktop. Mm-hmm. Can you guess that's a Linux computer? <laughs> it's uh, It works great with no issues. However, my aging group of hand-me-down portables just are not up to full Mint 17, Linux Mint 17 with Cinnamon desktop. They range from four to eight years old. Yes, I have an eight-year-old Dell Inspiron that is still chugging along 
with the original hard drive, no less. The battery pack, though, is toast. Other two are the other two are netbooks, which are just a bit too slow for my ham hands, and one has a quote creative keyboard layout. Thus, I have been considering investing in a new machine with an eye to running Mint. This sounds like the right fit for my needs. There was some talk about issues with the keyboard on early Galago machines. Hopefully, that's been cleared up. I understand System76 made good on the ones with problems. That is the kind of support I like to see. As you know, everything cannot be perfect. The main thing is to make the things right and correct the problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I had heard about those problems with the keyboard on the early models of Galago. And, uh, yeah, System76 made good on them, just as you said. They provide excellent support. He continues, how does the Galago stand up to everyday use? Does it feel substantial enough to be carried everywhere and survive? How's the battery life? Is the screen readable at different angles and in bright light? Sorry to bombard you with all the questions, but I have lived so but I live so far out in the sticks, I am very unlikely to run into anyone who uses one. Do you know what was going on earlier this week at System 76, November 10th through 14th? There was just a landing page on their site saying a robot had damaged things and they were rebuilding. <laughs> Perhaps it was just a server problem. Uh, thanks I hate in it. advance for your help. I hate it when robots do that. Uh, yeah, you can never trust those robots. No. Keep up the great podcast. Regards, Charles. So um, it, it's possible they had you know somebody attack their, their uh, website, but I do know in around that time they were redesigning their site. Mm. Uh, and if you go there today, they've got a nice, slick, modern, responsive design to their website. Uh, if you uh, have seen their old website, you recognize it. It is definitely uh, a modern website, just as easy as it was before to find what you're looking for, but much more pleasing on the eye. So I'm assuming that that was possibly uh, what was going on there. Um, as far as your questions are concerned about the Galago, it's a um, it's a 14-inch um, notebook computer, and it's available with uh, an i7 processor. There's really no other option. Uh, what else would you want, by the way? Uh, but you can get it with uh, less RAM than what I've got. And uh, so depending on how you've configured it, that will determine a lot about the battery life. But in answer to your question about being able to carry it everywhere, um, I carry it everywhere, at least from my office to the living room and back. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I will say that it is not as sturdy as uh, my MacBook Air that I have for work provided by my company. Of course, that has an aluminum case, and the Galago Pro has a um, plastic case, if you will. And it does feel a little bit plasticky. It looks from a distance like it's metal, but it's not. And um, I, it, it seems very, very sturdy. It's not super flexible. It's not uh, thin plastic by any stretch, but it is plastic, and I don't think I would scratch it along a rough surface because it would scratch. Um, other than that, I think it's going to be just fine for carrying around to Linux conferences and things like that. Uh, and as a result, I would have to recommend that it is substantial enough. And it's uh, it's about four pounds. So as far as heft is concerned, it's it's not a bad uh, weight for a 14-inch computer. It doesn't have a CD drive in it to add to the weight or to the size. 
the battery life on this computer with the 16 gig of RAM and the i7 processor varies a little bit depending on how bright you have the screen set. Uh, and so before I get into the battery life, let me describe the screen. It is readable at multiple angles. Uh, it is an extremely bright screen. It is not uh, a glossy screen. It's a matte finish screen. Mm -hmm. So as a result, you don't get a lot of the reflections. Uh, and so the the brightness on the screen, I typically don't have it at 100% brightness because I don't need it, especially when I'm using it indoors, which is most of the time. Uh, I can use it routinely at 30% brightness. And when I have it on 30% brightness, I can get four hours worth of battery life out of it with no trouble at all. Uh, if I had it at 100% brightness, I would burn the back retina of my, eye, my eyes, uh, but uh, I'm sure the battery life would be nowhere near that, that four hours, probably closer to two or three, mm -hmm. uh, but you really don't have to have it that bright. Um, and the, as you're looking at the, the screen from an angle, uh, it does tend to dim a little bit, but it is still very, very readable, even almost at 90 degrees from from the um, from the screen. So looking at it almost uh, along the surface of the screen, you can still read what's on there, even at less than full brightness. And certainly at full brightness, you can see things quite clearly without any trouble at all, even at uh, at an angle. So left and right angle and up and down angle as well. If you look at it vertically, um, you, you lay the screen screen back or you put it forward, you can see it no problem at all. So yeah. if you've got two or three people around looking at your screen, you're yeah. showing off your new Galago Pro, uh, they'll be able to see the screen no problem at all. So I have to recommend it as highly as I did before I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> and even more highly because I'm very, very pleased with it, uh, not only because it runs Linux, but because it's a good, solid computer that does what I need it to do, and um, uh, I'm quite pleased with it. Okay. So, so there you go. Long answer to that one than yeah. the email was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you get when you ask questions. Answers. That's true. That's true. Uh, did you say the uh, price, by the way? I like, did not say the price. It, it, the price it varies. Yeah, it it varies from uh, I think the lowest is about eleven or twelve hundred dollars for the low end, uh, and you can configure it up to I think it's about sixteen hundred, uh, fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars. So it's it's definitely on the higher end, but it's a high performance um, notebook computer with and, with an extremely bright screen. And you're and you're paying for the hardware. You're not paying for the software. You know. Which yes, absolutely. And you're paying for the support as well. When you buy from uh, from System76, yeah. uh, they provide uh, an extremely generous warranty. Uh, and um, I, I hear that just after I bought mine, they extended the, the warranty to lifetime warranty. Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. So uh, on the software. So they support Ubuntu on their systems for the life of your computer. Wow. So, um, yeah. So, and and their hardware warranty is is a, uh, a prorated warranty that you can buy extended warranty directly from them, uh, and uh, if you, if you wish. Uh, but they they provide a lot of good online support directly from System76 and the good folks there. And there's a vibrant System76 compu computing uh, uh, community that provides support too, and you get support on System76 computers from the Ubuntu community as well, since they provide Ubuntu software on their computers uh, as it comes from their from their uh, outlet. 
Um, they provide Ubuntu, and uh, they provide support for that for the life of your computer. So uh, very good. All right. Of course, I removed, replaced uh, Ubuntu with Linux Mint as soon as I got my computer, but that's just me. I'm, I'm that tinkerer <laughs> that broke his first computer with Linux on it. You, you didn't <laughs> By even, tinkering too much. You didn't even try it for a few minutes to see if you liked it before you changed it? I did try it for a few minutes to see if I liked it. And yeah. uh, I, I really, really, really wanted to like Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Really don't like that Unity interface, so yeah. I I switched it for something that I knew. What, I liked. what what about the Unity interface? Didn't you particularly you didn't like just? To... Well, it's um it's I don't find it intuitive. A lot of people do, and a lot of people grow into it. They don't find it intuitive at the beginning, and then they they find out figure out how to make it work, and they they like it after that. But I find that it's designed for a, a touch screen. Wow. That's what it appears to be to me, and as a result. When you're using a mouse, uh, and and by the way, the Galago Pro is not a touchscreen computer, um, and so um, I, it just seems like they've designed it for a touchscreen, and right. uh, it, it just doesn't seem all that intuitive. I, I was I wasn't curi- I was curious as to why why that was, but that's certainly yeah. the justification. I mean, people who get got Windows 8 and they wanted they don't have a touchscreen uh, on their computer. Yeah. That was one of the main gripes, you know, that they they would prefer. And of course, with Windows 10, they're gonna fix all that so but uh, right right and uh yeah i i would liken it to um um windows 8 it mm-hmm. it just seems like it's designed for a touch screen and if you don't have a touch screen or you don't want to use your finger to mess up your screen on your yeah. laptop right, yeah. uh maybe that's not the one for you but yeah. it is quite usable with a mouse it's mm-hmm. just it works kind of mm-hmm. quirky got it and i don't want quirky no nope. i want something that just works that's it the way i want it to work mm-hmm. It doesn't work the way I want it to work. I'm going to tinker with it, with it until it does. But that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not a fan of the screens either. It's just, you know, I, I usually have my fingers coated in a fine layer of uh, Dorito dust. So mm. screens just don't work. Um, yeah, so you have uh, uh, powder all over your uh, keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dorito powder. <laughs> <clears throat> if they were if they were cheesies, they would be orange powder. But anyway, shall we move on? Yes, we should. We're gonna go to the, okay. U- the UK now. Uh, uh, Ken, I think oh, okay. did we? Oh, Ken. Did we okay. Ken's? No, we didn't read no. Ken's. Okay, let's do Ken's first. Okay. Okay. So Ken uh, comments on computers with Linux pre-installed. He says, "Larry, I've been I have installed Linux on several computers not originally intended for Linux, mostly with no problems." Where I have had problems is where I want to use a scanner, printer, uh, made by a company who doesn't provide Linux drivers. Well, that will be a problem. I have the neatest Canon scanner that works great on Windows, Apple II, I suppose, but they don't provide support for Linux, and the generic Linux scanner software doesn't work with it. Now, on the other side of the fence, HP stuff has always worked. I'm curious as to what your store-bought Linux computer does better than mine. Well, it runs <laughs> the scanner better than yours. I'm, <laughs> I'm currently running Linux Mint on a semi-old Acer laptop. I don't know what semi-old means, but uh, it's only half as old as an old Acer laptop. Uh, evidently. And on, a, and on a fairly new home-built machine, AMD processor on Asus uh, motherboard. motherboard, I guess that is. Mm-hmm. 
they work just fine. Unfortunately, I still uh, have to run some Windows 7 computers for CAD, CNC, ACDC, photo software, and so on. The biggest surprise in satisfying computing uh, is my new Toshiba Chromebook, 13-inch mm. screen. Just open it up. Just open it up and start doing things. No booting. No software maintenance. I use it more than any, more than all the other computers that I have. One of the favorite fun things is casting YouTube, Netflix, etc., to a Chromecast gadget connected to my TV. By the way, this is being written on the Chromebook. Mm. Also, I would never buy anything Apple. I don't like the company attitude, nor many of their snobby users. My phone is in. for going with yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're all snobby. We're, We're all not going snobby. to get into Apple bashing here. <laughs> but in answer to your question about my store-bought Linux computer, what can it do that your computer doesn't do? Well, uh, nothing, really. Um, the, uh, the advantage of getting a, a computer with Linux pre-installed on it is the very thing that you're struggling with. Uh, that you are guaranteed that the hardware on your computer will just work with Linux because it's designed to work with Linux. And unfortunately, there are uh, uh, peripheral manufacturers, uh, Canon being one of them, where not all of their hardware is supported on uh, on Linux. And not all of their hardware is supported on Apple either in some cases. So uh, especially when it comes to scanners and multifunction printers, there are a few out there that still are problematic, and you're quite right, Ken. If you stick with HP when it comes to printers and scanners, they will just work. HP does a phenomenal job of Linux support. And there are other manufacturers out there that do the same, but as far as printers are concerned, you can't beat an HP for Linux compatibility. There you go. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, let's go Michael UK. Okay. Uh <clears throat> He's uh, trying to get Ubuntu installed and the Orca screen reader working. Uh, and we've exchanged quite a few emails with him, helping him to get set up. And uh, by virtue of the fact that he's trying to get the Orca screen reader working, you can tell that he is a blind or low vision user. And here's our latest follow-up to him, or from him, rather. Mm -hmm. I forgot to say why I am a happy new Linux user when I wrote my previous email. The reason is, no more of those pop-ups which used to irritate me when I was running Windows 8.1. I would get some messages that uh, some message at certain times about Toshiba Tempro or some other message about something being test. I'm not a novice to computers and maybe uh, not the advanced user I would like to be, but I never did work out right. why these messages about something or other being tested keep popping up. Although the one message might have had something to do with certain apps Toshiba put on their laptops. Uh, once I have backed up my important files for my system, I can then install other important apps I would like to run. I, I heard on one or a few of your podcast episodes that the home directory is, very, is a very important one. As regards the, uh, the greeting at the top of this uh, and the previous emails, which he actually started with... Uh, with a, um, a greeting that I edited out, as a matter of fact. So I'll have to go take a look at that. He says, I used to have a friend at college who was 
quite loud and didn't bother about what people thought of her, which did come in handy because she was going to confront other students I had bullying issues with (laughs) if it hadn't come to her notice because I had told her that I had been bullied previously by a lad who, in fact, ended up uh, attending the same college as myself and this friend. Uh, the The greeting comes from how she used to say, how do to people. So yeah. that's the greeting. Good luck with future going Linux. All right. I, I, I like the way he writes run on uh, sentences. Hey, uh, no Larry. Larry. <laughs> Larry. Uh, yes, we have that call, a caller. His name is Jack. Oh, His great. name is Jack, and he's listening to us in Canada, and he has a Linux question for you. Computer America, Craig Crossman. Hi, Jack. Yes, thank you so much for taking my call. I want to say that, uh, you know, uh, in Linux, how can you do SSH? Uh, is that I mean, is that true that all the uh, suppose once you put uh, um, you know say uh, Google dot com or uh, or any of those things, it always goes to a different city. Can you tell me why? Is that Linux based uh, or is that closest Linux thing? Why it doesn't show your own city when when you do um, SSH is a protocol that you can use to log into another computer remotely, uh, and that is sometimes installed by default on Linux, depending on what your Linux distribution is, or it's very easily installed if it's if it's not there by default. And it allows you to set up your computer so that you can log into it from another computer over the Internet. Uh, And that really doesn't have anything to do with which city comes up. So um, getting to your your other city question, um, how are you seeing that? Is that in your browser? I mean, 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 say, if if you go to, say, um, what is that, the map.com, I was uh, not, uh, I just forgot, not Google, the other one. Uh, not Yahoo, the other one. Um, that is popular. I mean, you put it, it goes to the, for example, uh, say Phoenix, for example. But you mm-hmm. are not located in Phoenix. But then, uh, of course, you have to put the driving address, and then then it finds you correct information. But always, when you do it, it always shows for example, Phoenix. Is that because your system is connected to the Linux in Phoenix area then? Yeah, so um, this really doesn't have anything to do with Linux. It would work, it would, it would do exactly the same thing even if it was a, a Windows server or uh, a Unix server that's, uh, that's out there. What's going on there, Jack, is that um, when you are on the Internet, on a computer as opposed to on a phone, um, the uh, the computer doesn't know where you are. There's no GPS. Uh, and so when right. you go to the map, it looks to see where the server is that you're coming from. So if the server that you happen to connect to when you connected your computer to the Internet is in Phoenix, the map will think that you are in Phoenix, even if you're not, but because that's where the server is. And I think that's kind of what you had figured out. Now, the reason it doesn't do that when you're using a phone to do your maps is because 
your phone has a GPS in it. And even if it didn't have a GPS in it, um, the, the Internet map can figure out where you are from the cell phone connection, the mobile phone connection that you're using from the cell towers. Mm-hmm. So it may not be as accurate as, as GPS, but it certainly can get very close to where you are. So when you're on your phone, the maps will come up. It'll know where your current position is because you have some sort of locating device, which your computer doesn't have. So we all, the best it can do is figure out, okay, so where is the server that, that this person is using to connect to me? Uh, and it uses that. For example, yes. Yeah. Phoenix, Phoenix example, or it shows a Michigan. Or you can show any cities, you know, so so server is from that. Yeah, it can show yeah. any any easy. any city. So if you uh, connect today to the internet and and your internet service provider happens to route you through a server in Boston, the internet will think you're in Boston. If it happens to route you through uh, some uh, you know a server in in Michigan, it'll think that you're in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm not sure why an internet server, uh, internet mm-hmm. service provider, would be routing you like that. Um, typically, right. they operate with their own servers, but um, hey, it's it's possible. Hey, Jack, uh, had yes, I not, yes. I had I not that what your question was was not a Linux question. We could have helped you before, but <laughs> hey, listen, uh, uh, we're glad that they're helping. And of course, if he was, if you're using a VPN, of course, then they really don't know where you are, and then then the map would probably just not even show, or it would just show it would it would show maybe to one of the servers that the VPN was using. But uh, listen, hopefully that answers your question, and uh, uh, certainly hey, glad to call you back. Yeah, uh-huh. I just want to say uh, Viva Linux 14.4 uh, <laughs> Ubuntu. That's the only way to go. Thank you All so right. much. All right, Jack. Have a Thank good you, day. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right. Well, there you go. From Canada. He, I know he called before, and I, I'm, I was hoping to get his question. I, had I known that that was his question, we could have helped him out. You know, But he sure. definitely had a Linux so, question, so so there you go. He thought it was a Linux question. Uh, 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 who are we to argue? Yeah. Hey, listen. We're, I don't know. Larry answered it pretty, pretty darn well. Yeah, he so, did. Yeah, That's right. He was here. Yeah, he did, really. Listen, uh, you know, I, we're, we're, we're pretty much out of time. Um, and I know now there are some other emails that you haven't read, but, you know, we have them on our show notes page. Got at our show notes page at computeramerica.com. You'll see today's show, November the 20th, and we have the links to the questions and the show notes there as well for you to read uh, if you listen to the show later on, uh, uh, you know, time shifted. It's there. Hey, Larry, I want to thank you so much for being with us here tonight. Again, uh, uh, my pleasure yeah, as always. Yeah, one more time in December you know, before we pass yeah. the baton. Of course, by that time, we'll probably know who's going to be taking uh, your place. Uh, but uh, well, I thought you were just keeping it a secret. Yeah, we'll just go. <laughs> hey. Stay with us to the end on our on our uh, video. So thanks to all of you. Again, it's our time to say goodnight here on our All Linux show. And we will see you tomorrow night. So until tomorrow night, this is Craig Crossman hoping that your hard disk never becomes floppy. See you tonight. Good night, everyone. music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.